Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to Black Women Amplified, the podcast. Your host, Monica Wisdom Tyson, brings you downloadable conversations that matter to women around the globe. We discuss all things black girl magic, amplify our voices, and transform our challenges into triumphs. Monica calls on her league of extraordinary women to push our boundaries, share their expertise, and stories of personal transformation. Welcome your host of Black Women Amplified, Monica Wisdom Tyson. Hello, Black Women Amplified family. It is your girl, Monica Wisdom, and I am so excited that you're here with us today. We have another powerful conversation with an incredible woman that I can't wait for you to meet. But before we get into the conversation, I just have one quick question. How are you doing? How are things in your world? It is blistery wind that you might hear in the background around here. I live in the Midwest, and sometimes it sounds like the whiz. (laughs) We have had some crazy weather as we do spring shows up, and before the flowers bloom, the winds and the rains come in, but... I'm safe, I'm sound, I'm dry, and today the sun is shining, so it's a good day. Before we get into the introduction of our amazing guest, I want to remind you that we have a new renovated, (laughs) I'm calling it renovated because it is our house, honey. We have a new renovated website, www.blackwomenamplified.com, and it is an expanded mission as well as new offerings. You can find out about our journals and our masterclasses, as well as our blog, which is called Chrysalis, because this show is all about transformation, baby. And so Chrysalis is our blog where we will house more information about our fantastic guests, as well as news and information about what's going on with Black Women Amplified. And, you know, just some of my thoughts. And you know, sometimes I have some really interesting thoughts. So let's get into this introduction because this conversation is power packed, so power packed. It's going to be two episodes. So make sure that you check out both parts because I'm telling you, our guest today is phenomenal and you don't want to miss a bit of what she has to say. So if you are driving, you're at lunch, you're dropping off the kids, doing what you do, jogging in the park, know to come back next week for part two. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to Miss Sita Lewis. Sita Lewis is a dynamic woman who has created a life for herself that is resilient and determined and full of faith and promise. And I tell you what, if you have seen these blue jars called Mama Sita Miracle Buttercream, we have the founder, creator, and CEO with us today. But she didn't start off as the queen of skincare. Sita started off as a trailblazing television industry producer, having produced award-winning shows including Teen Summit and BET News. She has also produced syndicated television shows such as The Ananda Lewis Show, The Bethany Frankel Show, and the legendary Showtime at the Apollo. Her passion for cooking led her to become a culinary television producer, working with celebrity chefs and home expert Martha Stewart. Also, this led her to appear as the finalist and the network food reality competition show, Food Network Stars Season 11. But Sita's journey took a turn when her father passed, legendary boxing promoter Butch Lewis. She found herself having to rebuild her life again from scratch. During this time, she began working with New York City youth as a culinary educator, Noticing that the kids needed treatment for the eczema on their skin, she developed a healing cream that eventually became the foundation of the Mama Sita Miracle Butter Cream, which she has built into a million-dollar empire. Let me tell you what, she has built this company from the ground up, and she's going to tell us all 
about it. <laughs> CETA's resilience and innovation is inspiring to so many people. So let me tell you, join me as we honor Miss Sita Lewis's journey of faith and determination. She shares her insights about her career, her phenomenal career, entrepreneurship, and so much more. Listen, this is a show you might take some notes. <laughs> You're going to come back to it because she's dropping all the gems in the safe. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I walked away with such inspiration. Like I said, two parts. I was so engaged in this conversation, I forgot what time it was. <laughs> so two parts, two weeks, all the things. Tune in, share with your friends, subscribe so you don't miss a beat. Ladies and gentlemen, I am honored and thrilled to present today Mama Sita herself, Sita Lewis. Good afternoon, Black Women Amplified. We have a very special guest in the building, and I can't wait for you to meet her. We're going to have a conversation about her life, her story, and her incredible product. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Miss Sita Lewis. Miss Lewis, how are you today? Hi, Monica. I'm great. Thank you. And I thank you for having me. We're having beautiful weather out here in New York. It's sunny. It's warm for eight for this time in <laughs> April. So we can't be mad today. We're very excited. So it is yeah. beautiful and sunny here in St. Louis, which is could change in the next five hours. <laughs> you know what's funny? One of my best friends is from St. Louis. And when you started talking, I sound just like her. She sounds like Veronica. <laughs> like she lives in Dubai now. Okay. And she's like one, like she's an amazing lady. You might want to interview her yourself. She heads up, she spearheads Mutambo Coffee, Dikembe Mutambo's coffee. And she was my roommate at Georgetown. And when you first started talking, I said, wait a minute, I know that accent. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually from East St. Louis, but I, I believe it's like the same area or yes, same. It's actually it might um, be a different state, but it's the same area. Exactly. Yeah. It's literally across the river. So when you cross the bridge from downtown right, St. Louis, right, right. East St. Louis is right there. So I know her very well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she came That's from the same cool. place of Miles Davis and some great artists. She has a powerful story. She's from East St. Louis and is in Dubai. That's amazing. And she lives in Dubai, yes. And she runs Dikembe Mutombo's coffee company from Dubai. And his coffee is made in Congo, in oh, Africa. Wow. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's a global company that she's running. Yeah. Oh, I would love to talk to her. Especially a homegirl. Yeah, but we, we started at, mm -hmm, I was going to say, we started at Georgetown together. So I've known her since I was 17. And we still talk almost every other day. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'm sure you both have lots yeah. of stories to share. Yes. And I, <laughs> I, I've never been to Dubai, but I am so looking forward to making a trip out there. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I haven't, haven't now, been. Wait she, a minute. <laughs> you know what's crazy? She went out there right around the time when I started Miracle Buttercream. Oh, and okay. every year I say, this is going to be the year that I come out and visit you. And the business is growing and it's getting busier and busier and busier, which we'll talk about. But I just haven't, I, I have to like be intentional and make time to make that trip because she wants to bring the products um, to Dubai. So, you know. Ma'am, ma'am. If you don't book a ticket by the end of this week, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, that's where the money is, especially for black folks. <laughs> I know that's what she keeps telling me. And, you know, I'm finally, you know, I believe in the right timing for everything. Yes. And, you know, I'm a woman of faith and it just seems like God opens the doors exactly when they need to be opened for me and Miracle Buttercream. And so I'm blessed. I know that when I finally do get out to visit Veronica and I have shipped her 
boatloads of product. <laughs> and I and one beautiful thing is that I know that it ends up in Dubai in perfect condition. So it's that's a good thing. One time uh Will Smith was producing a movie out in Dubai and I'm not trying to brag but his brother who was Please working brag. with him Please that brag. summer, which was last summer, mm-hmm. he called me on a Monday and said, Sita, we need miracle buttercream. We need at least six to 10 large jars and we need them by Wednesday. Can mm. you make that happen? And I said, yeah, of course. We we ship worldwide. <laughs> and he had them in his hand by Wednesday morning. So we don't play when it comes to getting our products anywhere in the world. And we've even had customers, I think the farthest we've had was Indonesia. We've had had orders come in and I said, wait a minute, Indonesia, is that correct? (laughs) I was like, okay, somebody over there heard about Miracle Buttercream. Let's get it popping. And you know, what's interesting. That's when you know a product is good because places like Indonesia and Asia, they have like their water is not processed like our water. Mm-hmm. So they don't necessarily have the dryness that we'll, we have here in America. So I've been a customer and I know that your products have healing properties in them. I don't know if it's the miracle in it <laughs> or what it's it is, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a little extra in your product. And I say that as somebody who's a beauty professional, I, I was a cosmetologist for 35 years. So working for some of the biggest brands, I know the difference in products and quality and fillers and all those things. So when I used your products, I was like, no, wait a minute. And one and another thing is I have very sensitive skin. So I'm mm-hmm. very careful about putting butters on my face. And oh, this is right. the first butter product I've used that my face didn't break out. Oh, absolutely. somebody beat me up. <laughs> yeah, it's so amazing where I had this, I was vending in New York City one day. Mm-hmm. And there was this girl that was in the booth next to me. She was selling hot sauce. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a conversation with her and she said, I have been in search for a product that I can actually put on my face. And this was a white girl. She had rosacea. She had all kinds. She said, I have never been able to put a moisturizer on my face in my life. And she was in her thirties. So I said, okay, well, why don't we do this? You give me a bottle of your hot sauce and I'll give you a <laughs> jar of my Miracle Buttercream. We traded products and she emailed me later and said this was the first time that she was able to put a product on her face. And mm-hmm. she used our Unscented, which has no essential oils, no nothing that could potentially cause any irritation. Mm-hmm. And she said she cannot believe how amazing it made her skin on her face. So that makes me feel good that I do have a product that when we say you can use it from head to toe, it's really from head to toe. And some people can use the scented versions on their face. Like me, I I don't have real sensitive skin on my face. So I can actually use the Moroccan sun or the rose water. I love using rose water or lavender before I go to bed. Just Mm -hmm. my husband just likes the smell of that before I uh, come to bed. But um, some people that have so it's sexy too. (laughs) Yeah, we, we, we always recommend the unscented for the face just because people like to put it around their eyes and and moisturize their eyelashes and their eyebrows, which will I'm telling you the product the product is so amazing and it, it helps with hair growth too, that it will help your eyelashes and eyebrows grow and become thicker. And if you're like me and you're in your 50s, mm-hmm. it might cause hair to grow in other places on your face. Where <laughs> you're not too excited about, okay, but that's why they have tweezers because you can just pop those suckers out. <laughs> I actually use the uh, mango. I use it on my face and I I haven't had any problems. Oh, okay, good. And I'm telling you, I've used, you know, being in the beauty industry, you get an array of products that you have available to you. And I have used some things, some $200 and $300 moisturizers on my face and I will break out. Yeah. Sometimes it's not about the price. It's really about the quality of the the products. 
And I am such a perfectionist and I am also very into very high quality. I have a dog and I won't even feed my dog like dog food from the shelf because I just don't believe that it's healthy enough. Mm -hmm. So I make my own dog's dog food. And I always say, if, if I can't give something to a friend or to my own pet, I wouldn't use what I wouldn't use on myself with someone else. <laughs> and so that's where the the products were actually born because I was going through some financial difficulties. Mm-hmm. I you know, grew up in a pretty affluent environment, a neighborhood, community, but I was raised by my dad who who really was raised with no college education. You know, he pretty much came from the streets and became like a self-made entrepreneur, millionaire. And, you know, so we, he never allowed us to forget where he came from. Okay. Right. Like every, every time he did something <laughs> like, you know, we, we went on vacations and different things. He would always remind us this ain't regular. Okay. You got to understand that this is not regular here. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, when he passed away in 2011, I was like forced to help work on some family affairs that were legal battles that and it put me out of work for like 2 years and when i tried to come back to the television industry after being gone for 2 years i literally couldn't get a job and so my spending habits started to have to slowly change you know i was buying like the best the highest most expensive good quality natural products that they sold on the market. But then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I need, I better start making my own, you know, and I would buy a little bit of this butter and a little bit of that. And I would come up with ways to mix it at home without using heat, you know? And one day my girlfriend offered me a job and it was not like the glamorous job that I was used to working at the, you know, at NBC or CBS or BET, like I used to. And I was working in the basement, a school in Harlem by the name of Harlem Children's Zone. And I was working in an after, one of the after-school programs teaching culinary. Mm-hmm. And it was in that basement during that time of my life where I began to serve other people in a whole different capacity that God opened up this door for me. So I was exposed to all these kids that had allergies, eczema, you name it from head to toe. And I said, you know what, guys, we're not going to make a recipe this week that we can eat. Okay. (laughs) Even though my products are so good, you can almost eat them. Mm -hmm. But I said, we're going to make a skincare product because I want to see y'all skin change. This is not good to see y'all scratching your neck every weak and your hands looking so beat down. And it's really the eczema. The hands weren't beat down. It was just the eczema that was just like plaguing their skin. And so we made the product and it was during a Christmas holiday break. We were getting ready to go on 2016, December of 2016. I'll never forget. They came back from the Christmas break and said, Miss Sita, look at my arm or look at my knee or look at my neck. And the eczema was gone. It it shocked me. I was like, whoa. (laughs) And you know, I mean, and it says a lot because winter is really the worst time for skin because there's no moisture in the air. Right. And so the the kids really said, you know, Miss Sita, you should sell this. I was like, okay, y'all are crazy. I've never been exposed to retail uh, being on this side of retail as the seller, <laughs> I've been exposed as the buyer, mm-hmm. but I didn't have an Instagram page for my product. I had a personal page, but it wasn't really popping like that. And they literally showed me like how to do everything. And it was someone in the school who showed me an e-commerce website and said, I said, wait a minute, you can actually collect money from people online through their credit card without like spending a hundred thousand dollars on a website. <laughs> and they were like, Yeah, the website is like free. And I said, What? And so they they set it up for me. And then we started taking pictures. And I just saw it as a hobby, as a side thing. And my first big order was the school. The school had purchased enough jars to give to the whole senior class 
of the 2017 graduating seniors. Oh wow. And I said that that was my first experience like selling something and you know getting money in exchange and going, "Oh, okay, well I could take this money and I can put it back and into the business and buy some more supplies." And I just kept doing that and by March of that year, 2017, I had a website up and running that I had built and everything was up and running. And I was like really moving product out of my house, out of my kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then it turned to the basement. And before you know it, it was just like, oh my gosh, my whole house is being taken over by this product, <laughs> which right. is good because I was still working at the school. You know, I was getting that check. But I mean, I was in, I was, I literally almost lost my house because. I had to get my mortgage modified because I, I went from probably making like $15,000 a month, you know, from television to more like $2,000 a month. And how do you survive off of that in New York? You know, right. you had to pivot and change. And it was just like, God was just opening up one door after another, one door after another. And I had to make a decision so fast. By August of 2017, am I going to come back and teach? I I had already been there for, at that point, it was four years. Mm-hmm. So um, I had been there for four years. So I was out of work for two years. I started working at Harlem Children's Zone for four years. And then I had to make a decision to walk away and decide if I'm going to build this business. And I was turning 50 in 2017. So that's another portion of my story. I was literally, you know, like feeling like, is it too late for me? But, you know, when you're in the midst of it, you don't feel old. So you feel like, well, it's just a number. Age is just a number. (laughs) I just turned 54 and you know, when I was a kid, 50 seemed so old. Right. And now it's like, wait a minute, I could have another 50 years. Oh, let's go. <laughs> yeah, you can start like, a wow, it, career. Yes, and, it's like, okay. successful. And then we have the opportunity at this age to write a whole new chapter for ourselves. Yes, absolutely. You know, and Miracle Buttercream is your next chapter. But I want to go back a little bit further mm-hmm. to your previous chapters, which was one, I wanted to know what it was it like growing up in the Lewis household? Because I remember, I don't remember your father, but my dad was a big boxing fan. So we watched Muhammad Ali. And of course, the Spinks brothers were from St. Louis. Yes. And to know that it was your dad that put, and I remember the the Thriller in Manila, just hearing, just remembering the name and yeah. watching it sitting next to my dad. So tell me about what was it like for you growing up in the Lewis household? My dad is a brand all by himself. Okay. <laughs> Anybody who knows or has heard of Bush Lewis, especially if they personally know him. He has a level of excellence that exceeds anything you have ever thought or imagined or wondered about. Like, so we were in the house with this man. I mean, we we couldn't go to bed with dishes in the sink. We couldn't. And then an, another, you know, sad part of my story was that my mother passed away when I was 12. So I had a dad who was not just present, but he was like, to me, he was over present. I was like, dad, <laughs> go away. Like, you're too much, you know? And he would just get involved in everything that I did. And I appreciate it now, okay, because now you look back and you hear about people who don't have that aspect of their lives. But I I can appreciate how he would, like, if I did dishes, he would inspect the dishes, like, hold the glass up in the air and say, oh, I see fingerprints on here. And, I mean, this man was not from the military. He just had a level of excellence for himself and for everything around him. He had a car. He would take care of that car and he would clean it and make sure it it, it, it didn't get abused. And mm-hmm. to this day, I have, I actually have a, a Mercedes convertible that has 50,000 miles on it. It's a 2000. <laughs> my dad bought it for me for my 35th birthday, oh, wow. you know, and it looks like it's brand new, like, mm-hmm. because I ended up 
like adopting that same level of excellence that he put in us. You know, I was the only girl. There was five kids and six, including me. And so there was six kids in the house and we all had duties to do the dishes. We had a chart on the refrigerator that said Cedar's night, Ronnie's night, Kevin's night, Freddie's night, Sean's night, Brandon's night. Right. <laughs> so, and then the other person that wasn't doing the dishes had to dry the dishes and put the dishes away. So we were learning skills that we could use later in life that we didn't really know mm-hmm. what he was doing it for. But he, he used to tell me, you're going to be a woman that has something to bring to the table. You're not just going to be, you know, educated, but you'll be able to cook. You'll be able to clean. You'll be able to be responsible. You'll, you know, so I turned into that person in everything that I did, you know, and I mean, I hated it. I used to think of different ways to manipulate my brothers. To give, like, we only got $5 allowance, but my dad was so strict about where I would go that my brothers had cars before I did. So I would say, I'll give you my $5 if you take me downtown and drop me off at my cousin's house and, you know, and tell dad that I'm um, at the church. (laughs) (laughs) And so, of course, like, I was trying to, and my brothers would do it because they wanted the money. And then I would be wherever I was going and I didn't even have like any money. And I would be like, I'm just glad that I'm here, like hanging out (laughs) because there was this 7-Eleven in Delaware. We grew up in Delaware and it was the 7-Eleven where all the teenagers used to hang out, just standing around doing nothing. Okay. (laughs) And that, that obviously we know leads to trouble later on in life, but we thought it was innocent. And my dad was definitely not going to drop me off at no 7-Eleven. <laughs> no. So, so, we, so I used to sneak to my cousin's house and then her mom would be working and they she didn't really know like what we were doing. So we would just walk to the 7-Eleven and we would just be hanging out, drinking Slurpees, hanging outside the 7-Eleven, waiting for people to drive up, you know, just stupid stuff. But at the end of the day, like it was all those things growing up in the household that my dad put in me that I now apply to everything that I do in business. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, the level of strict parenting was beyond what anybody could think or imagine. I remember I wanted to go to the prom and around that time, Michael Spinks was the heavyweight champion of the world. And he was making jokes like, I'll take you to the prom. you're not taking me to the prom. That's embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, well, your dad's not going to let anybody else take you to the prom. So I said, oh no, I'm, I'm going to the prom. I'm going to the prom. So I remember asking my dad, you know, Hey, you know, I wanted to go to the prom. He said, well, he said, didn't know. And I won't use the term that he used. (laughs) Can he take you? And I said, dad, I'm not getting married here. He, there, a guy is not going to come knocking on our door asking you, can he take me to the prom? And he said, well, I guess he, he don't want to take you that bad. So he, he shouldn't, you shouldn't even want to go with a guy like that. Mm-hmm. But everybody in Delaware was afraid of the man. <laughs> I mean, needless to say, I did not go. To, oh, I'm still kind of mad about that. Right. At 55 years old. <laughs> your next birthday party is going to have to be a big old prom. <laughs> now you talked about your work in television and listen, you've made an impact on television. You created lifestyle TV before it was a thing and you covered health, wellness, celebrity news, yes. interviews with celebrities, as well as social issues. Why was it important to showcase such a wide array and a wide range of Black life on television at that time? Well, I started working at BT in the very early 90s. And we had we had certain shows that we were known for. Video Soul, Video LP, Rap City. People looked at BET like it was a music label. So I had the opportunity produce, to produce one of the most amazing teen talk shows. And it was a live talk show. And I felt like this was our opportunity to show that Black teenagers have a voice. Not only do they have a voice, but they have intelligent things to say. 
It's not all about what they are watching in the music videos. So we would use the 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 artists like Tupac and Biggie Smalls and I remember, you know, Usher and all the artists that were the the most popular artists, we would we would actually put them on our show to get kids to tune in. We would put them at the top of the show. We would have a top opening performance. We would have that middle performance and we had a closing performance because back then you had to pull and reel kids in with music. And then BET was purchasing Vanguard Media, which was a company that owned Heart and Soul magazine. So I said, hey, why don't we drive the magazine sales by recreating the magazine as a TV show? And so that's when I actually came up with Heart and Soul. And I was the senior producer of Heart and Soul. And then we didn't have a big budget. So I had to have my producers double as correspondents. I was one of the correspondents. (laughs) I had anybody that I could find in a crowd that was cute, can talk on TV. I just turn the cameras on and say, oh, you're my next correspondent. And they, you know, so we had people working for very low pay, but they, they called me the barter queen. I was able to go to the Caribbean islands and use that as a backdrop so we wouldn't need a set. So you would see a lot of our episodes literally like in the Caribbean. I I got to travel to all of the, the Caribbean islands, you know, and experience that and take my staff and other people that were on the show with me so they could experience that. And um, I just thought it was really important to show that we as Black people, we have, you know, we have a voice, we have talents, we have skills, we're amazing. But there wasn't enough programming on other networks that were showing the positive side. They were literally in the 90s, you know, almost only showing, you know, um, Blacks being involved in roles that were stereotypical, you know, um, and a lot of even today, black actors will say, you know, I'm not playing those roles because and I'll I'll miss out on some opportunities to make money, but I don't want to be portrayed in that light, mm-hmm. you know. And so I got to be exposed at a young age, you know, where my dad would put on a fight and Oprah Winfrey would be sitting ringside B- back then celebrities and boxing were synonymous. They mm-hmm. they went together. Like Robert De Niro would be sitting next to me at one of the fights. Sylvester Stallone. And even though he he's known as, he's an actor, but he's known as a boxer because right. of all his roles. But I, I remember him sitting next to me at one of the fights. Like, so I was exposed to all of these things, but I, I still had an opportunity to know and see Black people doing amazing things, but we wouldn't always see it on the screen. And in the small role that I felt like I played, I wanted to be able to showcase that, you know, even Heart and Soul, that was an opportunity for us to even showcase Black businesses back then, Black female hairstylists. My stepmother was a cosmetologist. So I kind of grew up in a beauty salon too. I used to shampoo for years. Oh, wow. And so, and, and then I learned different hair skills and, and that kind of thing when I was a teenager. But really, like we we're so multifaceted and multi-talented, and we just needed more. There are more outlets now, but BET was one of those groundbreaking networks that now when you turn on BET, you don't just see music videos like it was back in the 90s. It, and it's nice to see original programming coming from that's that's like FUBU, for us, by us. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I even got to uh, interview almost all the guys from the FUBU camp because they were trying to promote their T-shirts back then. And I even Fat Farm. That, <clears throat> I remember when Fat Farm first came out and I was like, Fat Farm? I'm <laughs> That says fat farm. I'm trying to lose weight now. And of course they spelled it P-H-A-T. Mm-hmm. And so they were trying to promote that. And they started with t-shirts. You know, that was the thing. It wasn't a whole line. And Russell Simmons was trying to get us to put this, put this on our audience members. And I was like, oh yeah, the kids are going to get free t-shirts and they're going to love it. So, you know, we had opportunities to promote businesses 
And you know what's really crazy? Like last year, and I'm going to fast forward. Well, actually not last year. Like I was always thinking about uh, auditioning for Shark Tank. And I was like, oh, should I do it? And then I kept saying, I want to wait until I have some good numbers to talk about if I'm going to be on the stage. Like I, I see people with my numbers on Shark Tank, but I wanted numbers like, oh, you're asking for a million dollars for 5% of your company? Like <laughs> you must have some good numbers. Mm-hmm. And so just last week, I went to California and I auditioned for Shark Tank. It's still so early that I won't know if I got on until Friday. But I, I look at it like this. You just got to go out there and take a chance. And I said, imagine if I'm sitting on Shark Tank in, in front of Damon John. And mm-hmm. he's one of the people that I had on. Team oh, my goodness. And now he now I'm looking to him to say, hey, you know, invest in me. Believe in me. Do you remember when I believed in right. you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> he's not oh. going to know. But I'm going to remind them, you know, Keith, <laughs> Keith Heron and Jay Alexander you know Martin and, and all Bobby Joseph, who made the Fat Albert FUBU collection. Like mm-hmm. I put all these dudes on. I remember when P. Diddy was trying to promote Mary J. Blige and he had Jodeci and we wanted Jodeci on. We said, listen, I don't know who this Mary J. is, <laughs> but we'll put her on if you give us Jodeci. Mm-hmm. So he said, okay, we'll give you Jodeci for the end of the show, but you at least got to put Mary J on the beginning of the show. Oh, wow. And I remember we were like, who is this woman? And that, and then years later, I had the, when I did Heart and Soul, I had the opportunity to interview Mary when she was a superstar. Mm. But I just remember like the Queen Latifahs of the world and, you know, Queen Latifah, she came on with this big head turban on her head and we were like who is this woman that's calling herself queen latifah like that (laughs) and then when we saw how talented she was we were like wow and we knew this lady is going to blow up fast and now if i needed to get queen latifah on the phone it would be darn near impossible okay it i can it can happen (laughs) but it was all of that we were able to break new people that were unheard of. And now here I am trying to get those same people's attention, you know, and say, Hey, can you try my products out? Can you give it a try? Can you, can you then maybe post it on your social media? It hasn't happened yet. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I'm waiting to be able to call somebody like Usher and say, Usher, do you remember me driving you around in a white van all over DC, knocking (laughs) on people's doors, saying, look, we have a new artist by the name of Usher. And people were like, who is that? (laughs) And nobody was checking for you. (laughs) But now, you know, it's almost like the tables are turned. It's almost impossible for me to even have a conversation with them on social media, let alone have a conversation with, I used to talk to Kirk Franklin, like, like it was clockwork, like, Hey mm-hmm. Kirk. Um, so yeah, I just talked to Vicki um, Latilde, who's the president of the gospel centric at the time. We're going to have you on tomorrow. Oh, this is what you need to wear. This is what you're going to do when the curtains open, you're going to do X, Y, Z. And now Kirk Franklin is like a monster superstar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he used to call me and say, Sita, such and such and so-and-so. And I'm like, okay, how do I now flip the script, you know, go back and try to bring what I have to offer into their world? Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of my connections, of course, through my dad are still in existence. So I am actually, I've been blessed to be able to have some relationships with some celebrities who have helped you know, at least put the word out, say certain things. When you saw me on Two Funny Mamas, mm-hmm. it's because I contacted Kim Whitley and uh, my dad used to be her executive producer on a show called Oh Drama back in her days, her heyday of doing comedy, even though she's still out there kicking butt. She but is. When she, was, <laughs> when she was first getting started, my dad put her on a show called Oh Drama. And so I always had her number in my phone and I hadn't called her in like 20 years. And I said, mm-hmm. let me see if this is still her same number. And sure enough, within a week, she had put me on her and Sherry Shepard's podcast that's on YouTube 
And my numbers exploded. I <laughs> never did that high of numbers. I had 1,200 orders in one day. <laughs> you know, so so I the, the the power of the media, of relationships, it's really, really important. I told one of my dad's friends that um, I was auditioning for Shark Tank. And so he must have like put it out in the world of their world, you know, big businessmen. And then all of a sudden I get a call on Tuesday of last week and it was Denzel Washington. He said, and this is totally exclusive. This is the first time I'm telling this story because it just happened. But he said, hey, this is Shark Tank calling for Cedar Lewis. I'm calling to tell you that you're on the show. And I was like, I know your voice. Stop oh, playing. Wow. <laughs> so then we got to talk and he said, well, tell me what you, you know, what you talked about in the audition. And I, he said, well, did you tell them that I, I blessed you with your first mixing machine? He blessed me with my first mixing machine, the commercial mixing machine. Like when I got out of doing it, like it at my house, <laughs> it was a big machine. I didn't ask for it. It was just like a blessing that, that just, just came out of nowhere in a conversation that he and I were having. But this time, this conversation, he said, okay, so I'm going to pray about it. And he, he is truly a man of God. And he said, I'm going to pray about it. And I believe that, you know, you're going to be exactly where God wants you to be. And I want you to know right now, I'm saying this right now, that whatever one of those sharks offers you, I'm going to match it dollar for dollar. I was just, I'm still Girl, I'm let me still t- Let me tell away. you why. Well, let me tell you why. That literally is bringing tears to my eyes. Let me tell you why. Because mm-hmm. it's very rare that Black women get that level of support yeah. from people to say, I believe in you. I trust you. And yes. I'm going to do whatever it takes because here's the beauty of that. Me working in the beauty industry for 35 years, I have seen people sell their company mm-hmm. and it becomes a nightmare. Right. Because they don't believe in your vision. They believe in money and everything changes. Right. So everything you end up losing changes. your core people and it's no longer your baby. So if you can, and this is just me talking if you mm-hmm. can keep your business in-house and oh, build out from you without having to use a shark tank or any of these investors. And that is, that's I'm what telling my you. ask is. My ask is, and whether you want to do it or not, but this is what I'm asking. I want to be able to maintain the integrity of the products and still be able to scale. Now, if I can scale the business and I create the production house that it comes from mm-hmm. and we ship it directly to consumer where it's going from our production house to their front doorstep, just like it is now. But we do it in a much bigger capacity. That's mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. If you don't want to do it that way, then we don't have a deal because I don't want to compromise the integrity of the products. And let me tell you, I've gotten so much support from Denzel. He's become like an unofficial godfather to me. Mm-hmm. I was at the brink of just feeling overwhelmed, totally mm-hmm. overwhelmed. And this was literally after I did Two Funny Mamas, mm-hmm. the podcast. So it was, I would say it was around November of 20. No. Yeah. I did the podcast in November of 21. Mm-hmm. But in October, the orders were coming in and I was just like still in my house, producing from my house. And I said, oh, my God, I I can't I can't keep up, you know, so I'm going to have I'm going to go and I'm going to find a co-packing company that can do what I do. I'm just going to teach them my recipe and they're going to make the products and I'm going to give them the jars and all the packaging and no one's going to know the difference. So I go out to this place that I finally found and they have products in Whole Foods. They have products here and there. So I know this company seemed like it was reputable. And this is how, how miraculous I can say God is involved in this business. I'm in the middle of the tour, okay, of this facility and my phone rings and it's a no caller ID. So I pick it up because I'm always picking up my phone. I don't care what the number, unless it's like constant spam. But (laughs) 
If it says no caller ID, I'll still pick it up. And it was Denzel Washington. He called me while I was on that tour. And I, he said, yeah, you know, what are you doing? I said, you'll never guess. You know, I am. He said, where? You're on vacation. You're in the Caribbean. I was like, uh, no. <laughs> I said, I'm in this place that does co-packing. And you know what he said to me? He said, I want you to stop. I want you to do an about face and I want you to walk up out of there. (laughs) And I said, why do you say it like that? He said, because listen, he said, we use this product because you make this product. We use this product because we love this product. He said, we got choices out here. There's plenty of choices. My wife got a whole closet full of beauty products. And he said, she can pick anything she wants, but she chooses to use Miracle Buttercream. He was like, if you hand that over to another company to make, it is not going to be the same. It has to be under your roof, under your direction. You can get some help, but you ain't going to give that formula up and you're not going to have other people making it. Mm-hmm. And I literally, it was. I remember hanging up the phone. The man that's giving me the tour is looking at me in the face like, who are you talking to? Like you, I just totally ignored him and started talking. <laughs> <laughs> who's not gonna uh, talk to Denzel Washington when he talks? right okay. so I literally said you know what sir I really appreciate the tour let me call you back and I walked out of there I'll never forget I walked out of there I came home and I was feeling a little like down I was like wow but he didn't make any offers to like help me figure out how I was gonna do it but that's that's the way God intended it for it to be so I came home And I said, what am I going to do? So I got online and I started looking for real estate places and that I could afford, you know, (laughs) and that was, that was very slim and few and far between. Mm -hmm. But I said, I'm going to take a chance. And I came across, it was the same night that I was at that place. I came home, I got online and I found this place that I'm sitting in right now, beautiful building in downtown Hackensack. And when I saw the price, I said, that cannot be right. Let me call the landlord. I'm sure it's gone. I called and the landlord said, oh, yeah, it's available. It's When, when would you like to come see it? I came to see it like that Friday. And literally, she, <laughs> the landlord, came to my operation at my house. Mm-hmm. And when she saw my operation, she said, no way. I had converted my whole basement at that point into a lab. Mm-hmm. And I had a contractor come in and I had, you know, a converter uh, where, you know, I had the big commercial machines going. And she, then she looked at my stock room and she was like, no way did you do all this alone. For, you know, I think it was like three and a half years. I was at that point, three and a half, maybe almost four years in. And she said, this is incredible. And then when she tried my product, she's now my customer, (laughs) my (laughs) landlord. Mm. So she's an incredible woman from France and gave me the place, approved me immediately. And literally, I did Two Funny Mamas podcast November the 12th. Now, mind you, I told you it was October when all this was happening. Mm-hmm. I just got my new place December the 1st. Mm-hmm. So I had 1,200 orders that I had to get out, but I didn't have time to move into the new spot. <laughs> I delivered 1,200 orders from my dining room table. Okay. <laughs> to my house. Because I got, I was yes. one of the orders. <laughs> yes. And look wow. at that. I moved into my new space December the 1st. And then... God was just opening up one door after another, bringing people, employees. This lady prophesied to me and said, you know, somebody's going to knock on your door and ask you for a job. I said, oh, okay, that's like a cliche thing to say. But, you know, I accept anything that people want to say that came from God. Do you know, like, maybe while I was still working at home, somebody knocked on my door. I thought it was like a Verizon, like salesperson or something based on how they were dressed, like a black sweatsuit or something. I was like, Mm -hmm. no, thank you. And they were like, no, no, I'm not here like soliciting or anything. I saw you walking your dog one day and I just graduated from Notre Dame. I'm looking for a job. I was wondering if you had any positions that you might be able to help lead me to. Or 
I said, oh my goodness. Like mm. th- what that woman actually said to me okay. happened. Mm. So I was really bugging out. Like <laughs> that's when I when I knew, like, you know what? This is God's business. I'm just all about God's business. And he just puts me in the seat to run the business. But that's why the business is going the way that it is. And that same girl, her name is Sarah. She worked for me for a whole like year and change. Mm-hmm. And I knew that she wanted something else. She didn't want, like she loved making the butter and helping me doing orders. But I think, you know, with her degree, she was looking for something bigger. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I said, you know what? I can't offer you all the the glitz and glamour that you can get from another job like you know, health benefits and, you know, 401k and all that stuff. But what I can do for you is help you find a job that can. And now she's a project manager over at BT. One of my friends that used to be my intern 30 years ago is like a vice president over there now. Mm-hmm. Hired her just off of my recommendation because she said, if Sita recommends her, we know she's good. And she right. started off as a, as a part-time contractor. And now she's over there running things. And I thought to myself, okay, Lord, what did I just do? I just moved somebody away from me. But I want people that are going to be here to want to be here, to be excited as I am about being here. So here I am. It was just me and two other people. And I knew I needed more, like I needed another Sarah, like somebody that can come in here and really help me like pull the reins of the weight. Mm-hmm. And just, it was another miracle. God brought two girls at one time and then it turned into a third. So now there's like six of us here just cranking out. And I am I was able to take the business from that level there to now having numbers that I think are worthy enough to go on a shark tank. And you know what? If they don't pick me, it's okay. That's why I'm okay with talking about it, saying, hey, yeah, I went to California by myself. I got in line with 500 people. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we have to do. You have to make the first step. And, you know, God says faith without works is dead. You got to do something. And then He'll decide, he'll let you know if that's going to be your fate or your destiny. You know, I was out there and if they pick me, they pick me. If they don't, they don't. I'm still going to build this business into the billion dollar business that I see it can become. And that's, you know, what's funny about what Denzel said in that same conversation when he said, I'll match any shark dollar for dollar. He said, I already can see this company becoming a billion dollar business and I want in. (laughs) And that, I mean, like, I literally was in tears. He didn't know it, but I was in tears on the other end of the phone because I said, you know, I have people like this in my corner that I don't go asking them for anything. If they see my work ethic and they see where the business has come from and they see on their own, and then they want in, mm-hmm. that's who I, that's who I want to partner with. Well, I know it was um, Mary J. Blige and Will Smith who invested in Carol's daughter and yes. a couple of other people, and they gave her a huge chunk of change. Yeah, and they did. She, and, and and you know what else is was an incredible part of my story? Terry Williams, who is an incredible publicist, she was somebody that I knew in my circle. She believed in my products. She believed in what I was doing. And she used to be the publicist for Lisa Price, who owned Carol's daughter. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm going to get you a meeting with Lisa. Okay, we're going to work on that. Blah, blah, blah. So she was doing her thing. I was doing my thing behind the scenes. All of a sudden, I get an email back from Lisa Price saying, yeah, I'll take a meeting with you on such and such a date over the phone. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, if that's all I can get is over the phone, then I'll take over the phone. <laughs> so I told Terry Williams, I said, Terry, you know, I did get in touch with Lisa and she told me that she can do a meeting with me over the phone and it's going to be tomorrow. And Terry was like, what? Tomorrow? And it's over the phone. Does she know who you are? <laughs> I was like, well, what? I told her. <laughs> I wish I'm so glad you can't see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> she 
said, does she know who you are? And I said, well, I mean, I, I told her I'm Cedar Lewis and I don't, I mean, that doesn't ring a bell but to, ev to everybody because nobody knows who I am. And she's like, that's not what I mean. So she said, I'm going to call her right now. So I guess whatever she told her. Mm -hmm. So Lisa Price said, well, I broke my foot and um, at home, like incapacitated. <laughs> Harry said, I don't care what you got going on. You need to see this woman face to face. I took the meeting in her bedroom, okay, oh, while her wow. leg was propped up. <laughs> and I remember it was so inspiring because when I finished telling her about my business, she said, it's a lot of people who come and sit with me and talk to me and take meetings and, and I've done what you, you're doing. And it's, it's very rare that I hear one that I feel like is going to make it. Your business is going to make it. And I was, that was 2018. I was only one year in because I started in 2017. But just to hear that from a Lisa Price, mm -hmm. like she left me, then she started buying my products. It was like fate. I kept bumping into her. Then she took a meeting with me downtown New York. And she told me about how, you know, she was still working for L'Oreal, even though she sold the company to L'Oreal. Mm -hmm. I had and a meeting once with her and L'Oreal. Oh, okay. I did That's some consulting cool. with her. Uh, well, one consulting meeting. Yeah. That's one reason why I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> Keep it, keep it at home. Keep it. And that's, that was home. one of those products that I used to use when she first started. She was my go-to. And then she got. And Miss Jessie's was the other one out of New York. Oh yeah. I used to love the curly pudding. Mm -hmm. the purple one. Yes. We used to, we were excited when we, in St. Louis, <gasps> there's something for us. <laughs> yes. I mean, and the baby butter. Yes. To use for the tight ponytails, which is what I wear every day, which mm -hmm. is what I have right now. Now I use Miracle Buttercream in my hair, but yes, we didn't have, we, this is, we, I mean, like, I used to just be so excited to be able to support a Black company, to get a product that was was tailored for us. Right. And, and you're right. And then all of a sudden, it gets sold. Yes. And then you're like, what happened? Even with, with Shea Moisture, there's some products that oh. I'll still purchase from Shea, Shea Moisture, but it's owned by Unilever, okay? <laughs> Nothing against Unilever, but it changed over the years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because the ingredient, like you said, it's not about price, it's about the ingredients. The ingredients changed. Right. And they have to, see, for mass marketing, you have to be able to create products that are considered stable. And stable means that you could put them on a truck, you can ship them across the country, they can sit outside, they can go inside, they have a two-year, three-year shelf life. I mean, they can go in Target, Walmart, department stores, you name it. And with natural products, it's like food. You have to right. treat it like food. It ha If it does scale, you have to ship it in a cold truck. It has to go into a Whole Foods or a store that carries groceries. But, but they don't make cool sections for body products, right? So now we have to blaze some trails that aren't really there. You mm -hmm. know, we have to say, hey, listen, we want a cold section in the body care section. And I believe that that's something that we can do eventually. You know, like you can walk into Neiman Marcus and you'll be able to say, oh, they have like a refrigerated section in the cosmetic department. Okay. What is this? Well, all I'm going to say, Miss Cita, is make it happen. Absolutely, <laughs> it can happen. And I believe right. I'm going to be the person that make, makes it happen. Because <laughs> listen, all I can say is call a refrigeration company right now and say, how can we make these to go into these stores? Right. You know, let that be your innovation and be your, the thing that makes you different is you are innovating the items that you need to take right. your products mass market because you don't want to compromise your products. And if, and, your and if these department stores see that people will purchase, they will make space for mm -hmm. those refrigerated areas. And if, if you deck them out to look, you know, innovative and cool, like it could be like a little glass front with the sliding door, but the whole, it could look like it's in a little 
bubble capsule, time machine capsule or something, and your products are sitting on the shelf. I know one thing, if I was walking through the cosmetic department of uh, Neiman Marcus or Bloomingdale's, I would be like, hold up, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) And I would roll right on over there, you know, (laughs) and check it out. If they can sell cupcakes, I was at the airport the other day when I was going for Shark Tank. I'm at the airport and they had a cupcake machine. It was a vending machine. I said, wow. I looked at that. I took a picture of it and everything. I said, if they can vend a cupcake, I can surely get my products all over this world. (laughs) Yes, 100%. And the technology is there. The availability is there. You just have to make it happen. But you've got all these miracles that are happening around your life. And it's a beautiful thing to see. And I think it's a powerful story. I mean, it's truly your superpower because you're able to, you are truly making this happen. Thank you for listening to Black Women Amplified. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and log on to blackwomenamplified.com for more information. Keep shining. Keep shining.